Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the live Saturday edition of the program. You can join us here if you want to take control of the airwaves. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up, cheaper gas in Mexico. We're going to talk about that. By the way, with you tonight, it's Ian and... The Reverend Captain Kickass. We also have a special guest host who's joining us here uh, for the first time. I've never met him before. He showed up in town a couple days ago. I uh, met him yesterday at the one of the meetups that we do regularly here in Keene. Uh, he is Nudge, not the Nudge, but... Nudge. Uh, the channel's the Nudge. Okay, your channel on... Uh, tw- well, you've got a Twitter account. It's the Nudge and the number four... And you also have Odyssey. Yep, and Odyssey, that's called YouTube, nudge. Twitter. And um, that's the nudge at Odyssey, is that right? Yes, well, odyssey.com slash nudge. Perfect. And of course, we love Odyssey. We'll talk about them a little mm-hmm. bit later on here. And it's actually interesting that you um, you came to town right now. I mean, you told me about this a couple months ago or whatever when you were planning on uh, checking out New Hampshire, or I guess coming back to New Hampshire. But I didn't know at the time when you'd reached out that you were actually a Free State Project uh, participant you're someone who has actually already moved to new hampshire a couple of years ago yep that's correct uh, just before covid apparently oh and so you, you got here right in time uh and then at some point you decided you were going to go travel the world you ended up going to south america el salvador you're a crypto guy mm-hmm. so you know i don't know where to start with you i guess how did you get into libertarianism or liberty and then uh, cryptocurrency Find the Free State Project. Give us a little history. Uh, I well, as uh, I started on my path, I guess in about 2018, I would say. Oh, okay. So um, recently. Yeah, that well, wasn't too long ago. Mm-hmm. I was following the the campaign of Larry Sharp in New York while I was living there. The governor uh, campaign. Yeah, um, and you know, I got connected and to some cool people, heard some great ideas, was really interested in the economic side of everything mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just be and let be and leave other people alone if you're not. Did you have any kind aggression. of uh, political viewpoints before Larry Sharp or was that kind of your first introduction to any kind of activism or? Well, I was working as a freelancer. So one thing I really noticed, especially working in New York City, was how many taxes were getting taken out of taken out of my checks mm. right there's the a city the tax there too right like a city income tax. yeah three percent just to be in in new york <laughs> isn't it amazing that when you look at you know we'll call it your pay stub and they're just very forward about it they're like here's how much we stole from you and what we're calling it so that you sort of believe that it goes to these things well being a freelancer might be worse because they let you think that it's all that is yours at first and then at the end of the year they just hit you with the bill basically right, yeah oof now, in New York, there's a state income tax and a city one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Plus wow. the federal one. Wow. Yeah. So uh, so you got turned on to the Larry Sharp campaign. Of course, he didn't win. Um, and somehow you found out about the Free State Project. What was that path? Uh, I'm not sure how I found the site. Probably through Reddit or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was just reading more about it and really seemed like a, a great opportunity. And the whole environment over open discussion in New York, especially around my coworkers in uh, the creative scene, working in photography, 
became a lot more uh, claustrophobic and actually threatened my employment in some ways. Really? Yeah. So, um, you know, over time I was kind of feeling like it might be my time to move on. Obviously I'm getting a little bit older Mm -hmm. and so expensive to live there and leaving in, leaving in 2019, I moved up to New Hampshire and you moved into the Portsmouth area, right? Yeah. Now, that's generally considered one of the more expensive cities. So I'm curious, what did you see compared to living in New York City? Is How much cheaper is living in Portsmouth? Uh, well, for my first couple months, I still had to have a roommate. But then mm-hmm. I was, thankfully, I was able to move up to a studio and actually move into my own place for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like I said earlier with the taxes, even if I was making about the same amount either way, I was it was going significantly farther because New Hampshire doesn't have an income tax. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's the true. cost of living here is uh, significantly yeah. less expensive. I found that out. I've been here, what, three years? So, I think so. Going on three uh, in May anyway. And I came from the Seattle, Washington area, yeah. so that place is way expensive. Mm-hmm. I was making the same amount of money. I was able to remote my job pre-COVID. And then I moved here. And so I was like, well, I'm making the same amount of money, but I am significantly wealthier, like check to check, than I was in the Seattle area by a long shot. Yeah, I remember you telling me that like a glass of beer or wine or something would be 10 or 15 bucks. That's a a shot. Yeah, shots were, you couldn't get a shot of like Jameson at the bar for under 10 bucks. Maybe if it was the weekend, they'd have it on special. Oh, $9 a shot. Right. Uh, you know, wow. craft beer, six to eight bucks, mm-hmm. you know, when I left. So three years ago, it's probably yeah. 10 bucks. Yeah, it now. adds up. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so what were some of the key things that you really noticed when you moved here as far as differences? Uh, you know, just just walking around, it just feels so much freer. You actually mm-hmm. have nature here, mm-hmm. um, fresh air, uh, especially in 2020, still able to basically go around and have more or less freedom freedom to walk around and wasn't locked in my apartment like it would have been if I had stayed in New York. Um, Yeah, and Portsmouth was, uh, along with Keene, two of the more restrictive cities in New Hampshire, but certainly by comparison to New York City, it's got to be night and day. Yeah, Uh, I mean, I, I, I have said this a couple times, but I think that 2020 was probably one of my most social years, actually. Wow. Um, just the community and the seacoast, the free coast, mm-hmm. um, events every week, um, no mask, anything. We were just hanging out, have a good time. We had all kinds of different events every week. We had a stand-up comedy show. We launched uh, the community center of the shell. And that's still going on. All those things that you're talking about, that wasn't just 2020. It's still happening to this day. The Shell is incredibly active. Yeah, uh, I just saw some sort of advertisement for the Shell doing another comedy thing coming up or something recently. Yeah, I've just, I've been away for a couple months. I was here in January for a week Mm -hmm. and was meeting all these people. There are now members of the Shell that I haven't, I hadn't seen before. And there's all these other communities that have popped up in the last year since I've been active in the state the free state project had a record number of movers in 2021 and i expect they're going to also hopefully beat that record this year because a lot of people finally figured out a lot of people in the liberty movement finally figured out that it's time to try something new uh the same old same old of running you know some political candidate every four years and losing hard uh is just not cutting it anymore and with the crackdowns that happened uh, due to covid people finally figured out all right 
let's do something different. Let's let's get together with this, the largest group of freedom-minded people on the planet, and that's in New Hampshire. Yeah. So it's people are actually making the move, and of course, it's pretty exciting. I, I want to back up for a second because you talked about you know having you know or sort of coming to you know the perspective of freedom, individuality, liberty, voluntarism, that kind of a thing, and how that at some point it sort of maybe jeopardized your employment. Uh, and that kind of as a, a freelancer, as a freelancer, at least. Um, I just want to remind our listeners that when you look into freedom philosophy and that kind of a thing, and then you talk about it with other people, you are putting yourself at risk. Sure, people who talk about it. I mean, you we're could on be the radio all the time. Like, you know, it's entirely possible that because of the words that we say. Right, that we could be, or the words you don't say. I think silence is more of an indictment, especially in some of these liberal circles. Mm-hmm. So there, there's just risk involved with having a perspective of freedom, which I mean, it totally sucks. Yeah, like, if you live I, in the wrong places, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was basically a Republican to a lot of these people, and my work was all derived from mm-hmm. freelance. So gradually, you could see things taper off, and less opportunities were available to me. And of course, they're trying to fill certain quotas so you know it's interesting that you said even if you stay silent and so that suggests that you have to signal to these people right absolutely so they know you're one of them uh there's more on the way here we've got uh, nudge with us in the studio and you can check him out at at the nudge number four on twitter Uh, he's got an odyssey as well and we're going to continue just kind of getting into what his experience was traveling and spending cryptocurrency because that's kind of what he's been up to for the last year and he did indeed go to el salvador so we'll get his perspective on that interesting bitcoin experiment down there it's free talk live It's Free Talk Live. The phones are open here. If you want to join the show, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Live Saturday edition of the show. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Ben Nudge. And the captain. And you can join us online anytime you want over at freetalklive.com. Social.freetalklive.com is our social media site. We actually just upgraded to the latest version of Mastodon. And I have now made it a site where you have to request an account instead of just open registration, just because I'm sick of the the spammers. The the downside to Mastodon, Mastodon's a great um, kind of copy of Twitter. That's sort of what it does. It does everything Twitter does, just without the evil mega corporation, the big tech corporation. You don't tweet, you toot. Correct. Or you retoot uh, in in some cases. And uh, it's a great piece of software. I really like it. But the thing that is really not so great about it is there's very little you can do to stop spammers from signing up. And so I'm going to try out like making it so we have to approve accounts. So apologies to anyone that wants to immediately start posting right away. We're going to just uh, try this different mode and see how it goes. See if that, I don't know, scares off some of these these people. We're going to screen you. Yeah. What will happen is people just sign up and then they'll just put links into the things that they want to promote, which is obviously not anything to do with like an actual human being promoting a thing. Yeah. And so then I have to go back and look at all the signups over a certain period of time. Like today I deleted like a hundred uh, spammers. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, the, the site itself works great once you get in. So social.freetalklive.com. All you have to do is just fill out a little 
uh, you know, text box about why you want to join the site, and hopefully we'll be able to discern you're a real human being from that. That's the plan. Uh, Social.freetalklive.com. More about the nudge here in moments and his uh, travels down to El Salvador and elsewhere to spend cryptocurrency. But first, Sam is in Ohio. Sam, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, so when you do activism and you go to jail, you call that a spiritual retreat, correct? I, I do, yeah. I have done that. Why do you call it a spiritual retreat? I'm just kind of curious. Well, because it's a forced vacation, uh, number one. And statism is a religion. <laughs> that that didn't uh, wasn't <laughs> the reason why I did it, but um, the idea is you've got a whole bunch of time on your hands, and you can approach time in jail from whatever kind of mindset that you want to. If you want to be there and be constantly in a state of fear, uh, I suppose you could do that. If you want to go in with the mindset of having as positive of an experience as you can make it, then that I would more recommend. Uh, If you want to take time while you're in there to do things like meditate and read books about uh, spirituality or God or, you know, the nature of the universe or whatever, uh, you can certainly do that. A lot of times those books are available on jail book carts and certainly people can send you those things. So just to to take some time out for yourself because... Really, you've got nothing else to do in a lot of cases, rather than and make so it. That's why you call it that to try and make it as best for you as you can for yourself. Uh, well, my intention when I first went to jail uh, over a decade ago for civil disobedience here in Keene was to have as positive of an experience in there as I possibly could. And I went in with that mindset and I did. Um, you know, that's not to say bad things can't happen in these places. I was fortunate to go to a New Hampshire jail, which is much nicer than many of the jails in the rest of the, the United States. So, I mean, it was definitely one of the better jails. I mean, the Club Med, if you will, of, of jails here in Cheshire oh. County. We, we joke and call it the spiritual retreat because, you know, you can it's just all about your mindset and what you want to accomplish while you're there. I don't recommend that you go to jail, by the way, but if you do end up uh, being put there, then yeah. you decide how you feel about a, it. A voluntary spiritual retreat, far better yeah. <laughs> than a mandatory one. That's true. Well, that you answer? don't have a lot of money. You don't have freedom. Uh, your biggest resource is time, so try to evaluate yourself and your goals and make the most of it. Exactly. Does that make what sense, specifically Sam? specifically activism were you doing 10 years ago where they decided to throw you in a cage for some random reason? Uh, Civil Disobedience. We had a little documentary film we made about it. It's called Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree, and you can watch it over at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. It mostly focuses on Derek J, but there is a scene in there where I get arrested. Actually, it might have been more than one scene where I get arrested a couple times. Uh, But it's, uh, you know, I got arrested four times in one summer, basically, for various different civil disobedience uh, activism and nonviolent victimless crimes. And, of course, my friend Derek J. was arrested, I think, five times mm-hmm. in, in a one-year time frame. And so, so what, like selling pot-type charges? Type no, thing? no, like no. That would have like been that? a felony charge. Uh, I only caught a few misdemeanor charges. We didn't do selling of cannabis, but Derek J. did get arrested for possession of cannabis oh. in a public park. Would recommend that you check out the movie if you haven't. Again, you can watch it for free online at victimlesscrimespree.com. Yeah, I've tried to look it up, but I couldn't find it. Well, there you go. Now it's now you know how to find it. VictimlessCrimesFree.com. Yeah. Anything else, Sam? Uh, just that I kind of 
trying to wrap my mind around why you would go to that extreme. But What do you mean go to that extreme? Do civil disobedience? Be willing to go to jail for something you believe in. Well, shouldn't most people who believe in a thing be willing to put their freedom on the line for it? I think 95 or 99% of the population never will. That's the reason why I find it interesting. You're, you're probably accurate. Yeah. However, uh, New Hampshire, at least, at the very least, has a, a state motto of live free or die. So it's got like, you know, hey, you're either going to be free or you're going to die, like right in the motto. So if you're going to move here, hopefully that's on your mind. Yeah, and and thank you, Sam, for the call tonight. I And I definitely don't disagree with him. Most people are not willing to actually live their beliefs and they just want other people to take the risks and then benefit from whatever risks are taken. But the reality is, you know, there are dangers out there. If you're doing activism and you're having an effect, there's a good chance that the people in power are going to be upset about it. If you are actually someone who is making an impact, they're going to target you. And unfortunately, that sometimes means that you have to go to jail. Uh, Martin Luther King, of course, has written about this. There have been many people who have seen the inside. I think uh, Thoreau wrote about it many years ago. And uh, it's just one of those things where if you're all all of the popular activists throughout history, Gandhi, I'm thinking, right, you know, all of these folks had run ins with statists with, you know, being arrested, you know, or detained by military. Many of them were much more violent. You know, you mentioned Gandhi, you mentioned, of course, Martin Luther King. He died uh, as a result of that. Gandhi, I forget what the circumstances around his death were. Um, I don't I don't recall. and I should know because I've read. Um, a biography about him. Malcolm X, of course, another um, example of someone who was arguably right. killed by the government. Uh, there's no there's no proof to that, but you know, a lot of these people they speak loud enough, and if it's something that is against the status quo and a threat to the status quo, the status quo is going to take you down. And, and we're fortunate that it was just jail that most of our activists here in New Hampshire have experienced. We haven't seen people being you know strung up from crosses and lit on fire or killed. Thank goodness. Well, and Sam sounded like the the caller. He sounded like a person that you know maybe it was, I can't believe somebody went to jail for the well activists. All around the world go to jail frequently for what they believe in because, well, that's what they do. They believe in something. They act upon their beliefs. The state doesn't like it, so they want to come in and do something about it. I mean, if voting changed anything, they'd make it illegal. So there has to be other things that go on. There's more coming up here. You can join us. Uh, This is Free Talk Live's Live Saturday show. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com This is Free Talk Live. It's a live Saturday show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can go to Bitcoin.com, by the way. You want to get into the world of cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. It will teach you about the things you need to know. Just click Get Started at the top of the page at Bitcoin.com. 
and you will learn some of the basics, which you ought to take the time to do before you maybe buy in, right? Before you get to your first cryptos. And by the way, Bitcoin.com also sells cryptocurrencies, uh, various different ones, not just Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. They had quite a variety the last time I checked out the site. Uh, You can also go to their news site and get the latest news headlines about the world of crypto at news.bitcoin.com. Again, news.bitcoin.com. And uh, we've got the nudge here in the studio with us uh, to get back into kind of your story. You had migrated here to New Hampshire as part of the... Did you join the Free State Project or did you just come here? I did. I moved here. Uh, I was a mover. I was actually working at night at first, so I didn't really start meeting people uh, within the community probably until early of twenty, early 2020, actually. And you said 2020 was an incredibly social year for you. That's one of the things that changed for me when I moved here, and I moved in, in 2006, was there's just so much more to do socially here for liberty-minded people. And, and that was true in 2006 and the early years as well, but it's way more true now. There's so much more to do. Uh, I mean, here, just in Keene alone, we uh, yesterday there was a meetup that you went to that was kind of a decentralized currency meetup. Uh, Captain and I, we were at a market day, as they call them here in Keene or in the Keene area today. There's tomorrow, a there's tomorrow. a social, yep. uh, social Sunday event. I mean, so that's like three things to do. Well, in there was three a thing days. on Friday, too, up at the barbecue place. Yeah, that's where he went yeah, on, okay. uh, on right. Friday. I yeah, missed out on that. There's more every week. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you really have to uh, make a hard decision which one you want to attend. Correct. There's usually competing uh, events in different cities, and and it can be a difficult choice. Whereas in most places, libertarians, I mean, if they have not one meeting a month, maybe it's the same five guys. <laughs> you get tired of them. Uh, some of them you don't get along with, but they're the only five libertarians, so you got to see them or whatever. And that's why a lot of people don't do anything elsewhere because it's just there's no... There's no headwinds. There's no community. Uh, We have that here. But you decided at some point, all right, well, I'm settled into New Hampshire. Now I'm going to leave. And you traveled down to uh, Central and South America. Uh, You must have gotten into crypto at some point because this is sort of like a crypto tour that you're doing, going to some of the uh, the crypto hot spots. Uh, Is that what you're up to? these days? Yeah. Uh, Well, my whole thing is travel on crypto. So wherever I'm going, I'm trying to spend my cryptocurrency as it's intended as money. Are you and also doing things like buying your plane tickets with crypto? Are you trying to do as much as possible? Yeah, you can crypto? book flights, hotels, um, book food, restaurants, all kinds of different things, really. So uh, my top first, up your cell phone. It's, my first question is, what's your wallet of choice? Hmm. I've got a few different ones. Uh, Bitcoin.com wallet is definitely one of the ones that I use a lot. Um, uh, what else? What about uh, in El Salvador? Did you have to pick up the state-sponsored wallet to transact, or were you able to use you know regular app wallets? Well, actually, well, El Salvador was the first project that I actually tried to crowdfund. So I got donations from a bunch of different people through Twitter and Reddit with Chaintip and on Cointree um, and, and on Odyssey, obviously, as well. And people were sending me tips. And despite being in a country where... I have to spend BTC everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, barely any BTC donations. The, the mm. maxis are not too generous with their 
with their sats. That's interesting uh, that you uh, say that because it's not the first time I've heard that as well. I've also heard, and it's been a few years, but I've, I've heard people say that Bitcoin maximalists, as much as they tout uh, BTC, they just don't donate it to anything. And you have to look to other communities like the Bitcoin Cash or the Dash community if you want to find people that are actually willing to put their money where their mouth is. Well, I mean, some of that could be the expense of transacting in BTC. Like, it's less expensive for me to donate to somebody using, well, anything else besides BTC and probably Ethereum. Well, that's the thing with right? the Bitcoin maximalist is they don't believe in spending it. They don't actually, that's not part oh. of their whole religion. Oh, that's is, too bad. I, I will say I got a dollar on Cointree once, and it probably cost them at least that much in network fees. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I set up Lightning Wallet, obviously, to try to reduce the suffering and mm-hmm. transferring everything over B, to BTC to spend there. Yeah. Um, Was and, that a confusing process at all? I, I'm, I'm prohibited from using crypto under yeah, my to bail sell up, but... To set up LN address, you can use like a Telegram bot telegram bot to receive donations but it's definitely not as easy as just sending someone an address Mm. um i got one my first payment that i got from i assume a maxi off the sensor this all all blank coins must die blank you (laughs) wow so what? they sent you a donation, but they were sent angry? me one Satoshi just to say that. Oh, one Satoshi. Okay, yeah. for listeners that don't know, a Satoshi uh, is the generous is the smallest fraction of a Bitcoin. Uh, it's like what one one millionth or something like that of one Bitcoin. Yeah. It is very, 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 very small. That is what the term Satoshi is. I don't. I don't see how it's like leaving a penny for a, a waitress. Basically, yeah, it's yeah, a, that kind of it's an insulting more than yeah. anything else. I don't see how anybody who's into BTC cannot see the value in having a competitive cryptocurrency market. Well, I mean, we don't have that person on the air, whoever, I, you know, know, one of these maximalists just, to defend themselves. This is themselves. one of the questions that I have. Like, I, like, some people have accused me of being a BTC maximalist, and I go, well, that's, that's not silly. true because well, I use many other cryptos. You have to get yourself inside the head of an authoritarian, so... It's it's difficult sometimes to try to think in that idea of controlling the market instead of just letting it work. Yeah, it's such a bizarre uh, contradiction. It seems so clearly contradictory to say on one hand, like a lot of these Bitcoin maximalists, for listeners that don't know, a maximalist is someone who uh, believes Bitcoin is the one true coin and that no other coin will ever survive and that Bitcoin will, will be always number one and is the best and so on and so forth, even though they don't actually believe in spending it, which is a whole other thing. But they they claim that, oh, well, you have to use Bitcoin or Bitcoin's the best because it's so decentralized and, oh, these other coins are more centralized. But yet at the same time, they don't support decentralization of coins themselves, meaning they don't support having other options. They use a, the diminutive term s coins which i can't say the full word on the radio to describe all of the competition and so they don't really believe in decentralization they don't believe in in choices in the marketplace in fact they're they're angry that there are other options in the market am i, am I explaining this correctly Nudge? yeah that's correct there's yeah. actually an s coin conference happening in miami right now right across town from the btc conference in right. uh, monerotopia yeah and that that happens annually i'm told that there's it's always across the street in Miami. That's what it's I heard about same. last year. Yeah, yeah. last yeah. year they had one as well. But it just seems weird to me that somebody can come upon uh, the you know, workings of something like BTC and how it's a permissionless, borderless, neutral, censorship-resistant it, it, method of transmitting value 
and then be like, but this is the only way. <laughs> right. right. I the don't, Model T like, will always I, be the best car. I, I don't get that. It's I kind of equate that to like anybody who's a nationalist, whatever country you're in, you know, if you subscribe to my country's the best country and it's the only country where the great blah, blah, blah. Yep. Right. It's it's that same. I, Ethnocentrism. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's that same kind of thing that it's just now pointed at cryptocurrency somehow. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to see where people can become very one-track minded and team minded instead of collaborating. Um, the coins that I use, the projects I'm interested in, if they don't have utility for me, I don't use them. I mm-hmm. don't talk about them. Um, also, people that just do day trading and all that stuff all day and just pick all these random meme coins and try to get rich off of that, that's not really interesting. I'm more interested in actually building uh a network and a community of people that are interested in creating this new economy. I like that you're you're out there, you're tactile with it. You're out there, you're trying to spend it, you're trying to you know live on it while you're traveling, you know all of that kind of thing. Uh, that's the stuff that I applaud. I did uh, an experiment of my own here in Keene early on where I, I went for a week. And I was like, because there's so many places here that take cryptocurrency. I'm like, let's see if I can go a week living on just mm-hmm. cryptocurrency. And I did. It was challenging, yeah. but I was able to do it for a week. So somebody like you who's doing it for, you know, you're traveling overseas and stuff, respect, man. Yeah. We're going to talk more about your experience. Uh, I definitely want to get into El Salvador since you did go there. Sure. And we'll find out what that was like for you for listeners uh, that may be unfamiliar. El Salvador created a Bitcoin law in September of last year to make it legal tender. It is Free Talk Live. You're invited if you want to join us here. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. And the number for you, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. want to say thanks to Kat Cooper, who is a Free Talk Live supporter via our AMPS Patreon, which you can join over at amps.freetalklive.com. That takes you right to our Patreon page. You can sign up with your... Uh, credit card, debit card, PayPal, and uh, we certainly appreciate it. Cat's doing silver level, which is five bucks a month at least, and we appreciate that. It helps us advertise, market, promote, and support what we do here on Free Talk Live, which is talking about the ideas of liberty seven nights a week on over 190 great radio stations. We also, of course, have podcast and streaming and video, and definitely appreciate your support, Cat. Uh, once again, that's amps.freetalklive.com if you would like to join as Cat has done. Uh, so Ian and the Nudge and Captain Kickass here, here in the studio tonight. We're talking about uh, the Nudge, who's joining us here for the first time tonight, who happens to be a Free State Project participant who moved to the seacoast a couple of years ago and in over the last year or so has been traveling the uh, the world, mostly the Americas, it sounds like so far. Have you been outside of South Central America? Uh, S- South America, as well as the Caucasus region. Um and kind of where's the caucus region we're we're talking about like the black sea region so um georgia and armenia i went to oh wow wow what's the crypto experience like over there well uh i went there in september of last year and i was had a lovely time traveling around for about three weeks in georgia Hmm. um beautiful country tiny country definitely recommend it do you speak the native language there? No, I was able to get around with English. They also they, they speak uh, Russian as well there. Okay. Um, 
And how was the crypto experience there? I mean, were there people interested in it? Were there any places that, that accept it? Well, you know, it's just the timing that I was there was not ideal because they were having a president, presidential election and the Georgian Libertarian Party. I was very interested to meet, to meet with them. I talked to them, but they were just moving around the country hmm. uh, during this time running up to the election. And I didn't get to, but uh, they're a very interesting group. I am thinking possibly I might be able to return this spring or early summer for a couple of weeks to actually meet with the libertarians there in the caucus. Did you spend crypto with the libertarians that you encountered or uh, were you pretty much not able to spend crypto over there, over there? Uh, you can definitely spend crypto. It's just not directly through merchants. I think mm-hmm. there might've been a couple random businesses that accepted it on the Bitcoin.com map. Um, but a lot of it is something I would use like Travala, which you can book uh, hotels and flights and activities all with cryptocurrencies i think more than 60 different ones Um, all right well that helps so things like that are really helpful for me to fill the gaps where places aren't really as far along as i would have expected Um, but then also you have things like proxy payments so if i find someone that's interested in acquiring i could do a peer-to-peer transaction with them or um, a lot of the time some of the gold gold and silver businesses they might also be interested in bitcoin so you could sell a little bit there Um, Um, yeah uh do you have mm, so i had a bad experience with one of these but i I had one of these crypto debit cards Mm. and uh i no longer have uh, this specific card because it turns out they were they were taking more money than they should Mm -hmm. Uh, and i pointed it out to them and you know, they said, oh, yeah, you know, we see what's wrong and we'll fix it. And they never did. And it got worse. And so they they took they took me for over a thousand dollars. I eventually got it refunded, but then I couldn't get my crypto off their platform for a while because okay. they had my account restricted for unknown reasons. And eventually I worked it out. But do you have a method that's something similar to that where like, you know, there's you're in a town. Nobody really kind of knows commonly what crypto is or if they do, they don't take it where you can like swipe a card or do a, yeah. a pay, you know, payment option. What what do you use? How do you? Yeah, so that I, I use a Brave browser for privacy. And one of the things they have built into into the browser are these privacy respecting ads. So they send you a small amount of the basic attention token. Mm -hmm. And at least at first, their only partner was the Uphold Exchange. Mm -hmm. And Uphold launched a crypto debit card a couple years ago and basically would allow you to have a balance not only in crypto, but also in some metals or in several different fiats. And you would change which payment method you would want to pay with on the app. And then you would just pay as normal with the MasterCard. So that's helped me in a few occasions. Also, uh, interestingly, it also works at ATMs. So I've been able to get out cash. Mm-hmm. In yeah. like a native currency from not yeah. the U.S., for example? I, I couldn't say yeah. how good the exchange rate is for something like that. I, I, don't, I never really felt like it was unfair, but... Um, yeah. Well, yeah. There's, a, there's a price you pay for convenience, right? I, I like, was just interested in testing out the technology. It's yeah. definitely... Not my preferred method, but I, I it was is too, and that just happens to be the same company that I was speaking of. I'm not trying to badmouth them over the mm-hmm. air. It's just that we had problems, and uh, I found their customer service to be lacking. Yeah, in 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 many ways, the card's great, but the customer yeah. service. Ain't. What what I like about it is the same things you like about it that you can you know sort of carry a balance in many different cryptos and well, choose which you want to spend on a given basis. Well, also if you're trying to 
um, fund your account and connect with a bank transfer because of how antiquated the banking system is. I believe they have a hold of 60 days on your funds before you can do anything with mm-hmm. it. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's that's probably because of fraud. Uh, yeah. The way the the HCH system works, if if somebody steals your bank account information or whatever, and then they run a, a you know withdrawal from your account, and you notice it within sixty days, it's relatively easy to pull it back. And so, if somebody is using your account information right. without your permission, and they go and buy a bunch of crypto from uh, some online place like Uphold, and Uphold gives them the crypto right away, then yeah. they can take the crypto and run. And then later, you notice on your bank your bank statement that hey, what the hell is this? You try to get the money back, and then Uphold loses the money. You can get the money back from Uphold. Uphold then loses because they've lost your cash and the crypto that they sent the person. So that's probably the reason they yeah. do that. Well, that's also one of the reasons why a lot of businesses that are starting to accept cryptocurrency like the finality of a transaction. They don't have to worry right. about it getting yoinked out of their account later. Yeah, there's no chargebacks yeah. with uh, with cryptocurrency. And, of course, the business owner also gets to keep 100% of the profits, whereas if they are using, uh, you know, debit, if a customer is using a debit card or a credit card, that business owner is probably paying at least 3% out of every sale. And some credit cards, it's even more. You know, American Express might be 5, 6, uh, Discover might be 6%, something like that. Yeah. I've, I've never had to accept those things, so I don't know. I know they're bad. Uh, I know MasterCard and Visa, you're looking at probably at least 3%. So. It, it should be said before I forget that. Um, while Uphold is a company that offers debit cards, there's many other companies. There's there are, lots yeah. of competition. Crypto.com is Crypto.com, huge. Crypto.com, BlockFi, even the, the, the big behemoth Coinbase, Coinbase. They, they offer one. Um, it's my understanding, I haven't bumped into one yet that doesn't require KYC except for maybe uh, the Dash Direct, Dash Direct, says the Dash that Direct version. Dash Direct says that they don't that. But they don't have a physical card yet. Right. So they have a virtual mm-hmm. card that you can use, and I've used it, and it's great. So if you, you know, I don't know, something as simple as groceries, if they have a way for you to buy online and then go pick up your order, that can be of great assistance mm-hmm. to you uh, for your everyday uh, stuff. The one thing I will say, if you are privacy-minded, uh, the Dash Direct, virtual debit card that's out right now is a beta it's only available if you have your phone logged into google so if you have a de-googled mm. phone or if you're just using another app store you're not going to be able to join that until they fully launch all right good to know let's talk about el salvador they uh, created this bitcoin law uh, a legal tender law which has its serious problems the number one problem with this is of course that they are mandating supposedly that people accept bitcoin now that's what the law says supposedly they're not enforcing the mandate but of course because it's in the law they could at any time they could do it politically they could target certain people that they want to punish for not accepting it so right now that's not being enforced so that's good but that still has upset a lot of people the fact that it is that that line is in there, section seven, I think it is, of the, the Bitcoin law. Uh, you know what section it is, too, huh? Yeah, huh? Well, I've looked into it. And uh, so you went down there. At what point this thing launched in uh, September of last year? When did you decide to go and check out the scene? Uh, yeah, so it launched in September of last year, and then I was down there in January. Okay, so uh, you gave it a few January months to... January into February. Because it was a bumpy road launching this thing, from what I understand. We talked with Mark Falzen last night, uh, who did a documentary about it. He was there while it was happening. And as you would expect, any kind of tech rollout may have some some hiccups, but when a government does it, you know it's going to be god-awful. <laughs> and yeah. so you gave it a few months uh, to simmer down there. What was it like when you arrived? Uh, how accessible was it? How much were you able to spend Bitcoin? Tell us the, the story. Well, uh, 
When you first arrive, you get to the airport, you go through and you get your tourist card, and you're able to pay with credit card or cash, but surprisingly, you're also able to pay with Bitcoin. So wow. from right. the bat, you see that they're on board with that. There's Good the, first experience. We're going to continue. A, you're sticking yeah. with us into, yes, uh, into hour number two. We got uh, more with the nudge. We'll talk about what's happening in El Salvador or not happening in some cases. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and we're kicking off the second hour of the program here. The phone lines are open if you want to join us, especially if you have a question for the nudge. He is uh, joining us here tonight talking about his travels around the, the world, going and spending cryptocurrency. Went to El Salvador, and we just started asking him about the experience there. Uh, it is Ian here with you, and we have the Nudge and the Reverend Captain Kickass. And again, your phone calls are welcome, and you can bring up anything if you'd like. It, we always have that format here for the most part 603 283 6160. Uh, so we're going to continue. You were just telling us about getting off the plane in El Salvador, I presume the capital city. Is that San Salvador? Is that right? Uh, the airport's closer to the beach, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. a very small country, so they're not far. And you get off the uh, the airline, and immediately you could buy something with Bitcoin, right? You're walking right through the terminal, and even before you've entered the country, actually, um, the the booth that they give out the tourist cards, which you need to enter El Salvador, uh, a lot of countries don't need visas, mm-hmm. but you do need to buy this $12 tourist card. Hmm. And you can pay with credit card, you can pay with cash, but you can also pay with BTC now. Nice. So Now, that's something the government's doing, right? Like yes. That's, uh, they're showing off in that way. But what's the reality on the ground? Some people are saying that there just aren't a whole lot of businesses that are accepting Bitcoin, despite the fact that there is a law that purportedly mandates it. And of course, here on Free Talk Live, we're libertarians, we are against mandates, and I think Mark Falzon made a great point last night when he said that the people in El Salvador, the government gang, of course, went about it in the exact wrong manner by doing this top-down, forcing Bitcoin down people's throats, whereas we were talking about St. Martin, where people just on the ground, grassroots, are starting to use Bitcoin cash. And so the government sort of caught on to that, and they may be making a legal tender uh, status, but on a voluntary basis. Mm-hmm. Now, that's speculation. We haven't seen that happen but it's uh, there's a lot of groundswell, whereas in El Salvador, there was no groundswell. Just all of a sudden, the president of the country came out and said, OK, we're doing this. And then they passed this uh, this mandate. 
So what's it really like on the ground there? And you spent how long in, in El Salvador? By I way? spent about six weeks there, Okay, actually. that's a long time. Yeah. So you definitely got a lay of the land. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the first thing I would say is, you know, you get out of the airport, uh, you hop in a taxi. My taxi didn't accept Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, very lovely guy, but he didn't accept Bitcoin. Got to my hotel. Uh, they do accept Bitcoin, but they also convert it automatically to USD. Uh, Which you would expect a lot of businesses are going to do just because Bitcoin is risky. And while the the price can go up, it can also go down. And a lot of business owners have bills to pay. And so they don't want to take that risk. I, I get it. I get why they do that. Yeah. Um, I would say the majority of the hotels that I stayed there didn't want BTC or they were going to convert it automatically. Hmm. Um, also if you go strictly with places that accept Bitcoin, you might be paying considerably more depending on your budget. Right. What do you mean uh, by that? They're raising the rates for Bitcoin? No, I mean that it really limits where you can stay. Oh, I see. If you're only, if you're trying to go strictly on only spending Bitcoin there, mm-hmm. then you're definitely, you're definitely paying more for accommodation in some cases. And yeah. If the, oh, if the only hotel that takes Bitcoin is a five-star hotel, then, uh, you're staying in a five-star hotel. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, or or if it's just a regular hotel and it's this price, normally they might charge you an extra percentage just for the privilege of paying in Bitcoin. Or we because s- you're a gringo. Well, yeah, <laughs> we, we see that here in the U.S. even on uh, even on things like Craigslist, where they have that little box you can check for cryptocurrency okay mm-hmm. on Craigslist. You'll find guys selling like cars or whatever for you know ten grand that should be selling for like five grand. Mm. Right, but they, what they're doing is they're they're charging you a premium for the privilege of buying their car in cryptocurrency. Hey, hey they know what they have. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right, so most hotels didn't take it. What about restaurants? Um, if you like McDonald's, you can walk in there and you can get your Big Mac. They've got the nice kiosk in there. You pick whatever meal you want, and then you can pay with either credit card or with bitcoin or lightning network so you can Um, do bitcoin or lightning network at mcdonald's i mean you can pay on you can pay on or off chain depends Mm -hmm. how much money you want to lose doing that but yeah Mm. okay um there's i the thing is that the corporations that have money to integrate these systems into the point of sale and the more uh visual businesses that it's a little bit harder for them not to actually follow the the law basically saying that if you're able to accept bitcoin then you should accept it mm-hmm. there's those are the ones that are have have adopted it or at least in fit in theory you be, should be able to pay there i will say that i went to i think a domino's one time and they they very publicly accept bitcoin but on mm-hmm. the case that i was there their wallet they wasn't weren't. working huh. mm-hmm. um And are they using the, so we talked about the Chivo wallet, as it's called, which is apparently slang for cool down down in South America uh, or in uh, in El Salvador, I guess they're in Central America. But this wallet was problematic from day one, apparently. I guess one of the original complaints about it was that you couldn't spend less than $5. Did you try this wallet, or $5 worth of Bitcoin? Yeah. Did you try this wallet, or is it only for people who live in El Salvador? Because I hear that you have to pass and know your customer in order to get into it. You need to have an El Salvador ID to Mm -hmm. install and log into the Chivo app. Um, And the way it's basically designed is for Salvadorans, either in El Salvador or abroad as immigrants working and then they can send money that way. Mm. Um, I, I I learned pretty quickly that actually I'll I'll address the 
there there didn't seem to be any issues with actually using the app except uh or the people that I spoke to they said that so there were some technical issues within the first month or so but they had been pretty much resolved okay there weren't good. as many stuck payments or other errors um I did try to go to a supermarket and pay I think three different times and never actually succeeded in paying with Bitcoin there. Hmm. One of the, were one they of, using Chivo on their end? Could you tell? They have a desktop Chivo app mm-hmm. on, on their on their computer system there, and mm-hmm. they have one checkout uh, stall that accepts Bitcoin in the store. Huh. So you have to get in that line, and then you have to pay. Um, unfortunately, I think I tried with about 2 or $3 worth of stuff, and um, my first experience I backed out of because... I was you weren't able to select uh lightning lightning network on off chain on the screen for some reason it was grayed out so yeah. you could only send it on chain so it would have been 2 or 3 dollars plus another dollar or two just to send the transaction so it didn't make any sense right. which um, is one of the issues with bitcoin we touched on this earlier in the show tonight are these transaction fees that is the reason why Bitcoin Cash uh, sort of sprouted off from Bitcoin back in 2017 when they couldn't come to an agreement on uh, how to lower the fees. Bitcoin Cash advocates said it's simple. You just raise the block size. Problem solved. But the others uh, behind Bitcoin refused to do that. And there's some interesting you know, conspiracy theories as to why they refused to do that. Some say it's because the people that are making this lightning network wanted to purposely cripple bitcoin so as they could provide the so-called solution to it but either way bitcoin's network is full of transactions and it makes it so that the price of a transaction is sometimes a hundred times what you might spend on say uh, the bitcoin cash network or the dash network or you know one of the other ones out there nano etc and a dollar or even a quarter in El Salvador goes a lot farther than it does in the U.S. Sure, and that's probably uh, getting close to what somebody makes in a day. It's like a couple bucks a day, right? Yeah, if you're talking about a couple dollars, that's what they're spending for the day. Right. And if they still have to pay a fee on top of that, it just it doesn't no-go. make sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I tried it a couple times at the same supermarket. I came back another time. It wouldn't scan. Um yeah, so problematic. Up, and you were there a few months in, like you said, January, right? Yeah. And this is four, roughly four months after they started this experiment. Yeah. There were some instances where I was able to pay with Lightning, with the Phoenix wallet, mm. um, with someone with like a Chivo mobile wallet. But um, I, I would say that more, there are more issues than instances where it actually worked out. Mm. And especially places that were more cash only that it, forget about Bitcoin. They're not even ready for that. Did you go to the Bitcoin beach? I did, did, yeah. I want to hear about that because that's what supposedly, if you can stay with us for a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, that. That's what kind of supposedly got this whole thing started in El Salvador was this one little town that some crypto guy or Bitcoin maximalist came down there and kind of got it set up, got a few merchants set up and started calling it Bitcoin Beach. And that somehow inspired the president of the country to move forward with this mandate on legal tender for Bitcoin. So you went there. We're going to hear more about that coming up. Uh, 603-283-6160. You can join us. It's Free Talk Live, and you can join the show here if you want to jump in. It doesn't have to be about cryptocurrency. 
spending in real life, going down to El Salvador. That's what the Nudge has experienced. He's with me and the captain uh, tonight. Hey, hey. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160, though, if you want to join us and bring up whatever's on your mind. Plus, we'll, we'll talk about a little more international news. Captain, you want to discuss the cheaper gas situation in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that when we get the chance. And again, 603-283-6160. But right now, uh, The Nudge is telling us, by the way, you can visit his uh, Twitter profile, with, which is at The Nudge, and then the number four. Uh, he's also got an Odyssey channel. You can follow his travels as he's been going around and yep. spending cryptocurrency or trying to. We're talking about El Salvador and whether or not it is as advertised and where this El Salvador experiment started. Uh, was a place called Bitcoin Beach, and yeah. that's what I, I and I remember we read a story about it on the air. I don't remember the guy's name, but some Bitcoin fanatic went down there mm. and managed to convince a few businesses to uh, to start taking Bitcoin, and dubbed the place Bitcoin Beach. It's not actually called that. It's some I don't remember the town's name, but uh, yeah, he he said I'll give you all this money on the condition that this money stays in within the community and it's used to build this community up. Hmm. So. And so that happened. Uh, I don't know how many businesses take Bitcoin, but it's a nice t- perspective, though. Like it's an excellent proposition. You know, voluntary way to get folks to get into cryptocurrency. Uh, yeah, it started voluntary in El Salvador. Yeah, and then they forced way. it down people's throats with the uh, the nationwide legal tender law. I, I will say though that I believe that it is morally and ethically wrong for a state to force anything on anybody. Yep. That being said. Uh, places like El Salvador having sort of mandated it uh, does force uh, the industry to sort of get up to speed. Like you were saying, the, the big corporate McDonald's, I think you mentioned. Right. That's had, true. They, they were able to sort of quickly adapt and they hired some devs to like integrate with their POS system. And they got it done. And, and they got it done. So what that means is that this work, this groundwork is all, is being done, albeit at the behest of the state. So hopefully later on, like, you know, it won't be as difficult for people to start adopting this stuff. Yeah. So I I, I see sort of a, 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 you know, a positive within all the negative there. I'm with you. There are some positives. I do enjoy the the president of El Salvador ribbing the United States and other fiat uh, countries. Like he is, he's he's vocally against fiat currency and kind of is, you know, thrown his weight in with the world of crypto. It's just, he's still an authoritarian. Well, he used this meme of Bitcoin to put his country on the map to bring uh, investors in there, millions of dollars. The He's trying to raise half, bonds, a, half a billion, Bitcoin right? city that they're trying to build. Yeah, they're trying to raise, I believe, half a billion dollars yeah. for this Bitcoin um, city thing. Which is great. Um, definitely some of his tweets are... Uh, funny as well yep, he's entertaining <laughs> uh, i wouldn't want to be his political opposition however because apparently he will have you arrested if you criticize him uh but so tell us about bitcoin beach what was your experience there um uh, well we just went there for afternoon to check out bitcoin beach mm-hmm. i i found the rest of the country actually more interesting because it seemed pretty obvious from the beginning that they're trying to create an environment where uh btc maxis and other crypto people will show up They'll go to the airport, they'll go to San Salvador, the capital, they'll go to Bitcoin Beach, and then they'll go home. Mm-hmm. So if you go to some of these places, they're a little bit more polished and set up for ra- random businesses, sometimes even street vendors accept Bitcoin there. I know that's been in a number of the videos um, that have come out about this topic, but uh, just right off the bat, when we got to Bitcoin Beach, 
I just tried to buy a bottle of water at two different vendors, and neither of them were interested hmm. in accepting Bitcoin. And it was also the first place that I actually saw a no Bitcoin sign in a store. Interesting. So there has been a lot of pushback by some people who they feel, I presume, upset about the fact that they've been told they have to do this thing. They have to take this thing that is risky, and maybe they don't want to do that. Well, we're talking about this tiny beach village that was put on the spotlight. Mm -hmm. There's there's another um, more built-out place with restaurants and bars and hotels a little bit down the beach called uh, El Tunco, Mm -hmm. where... Um, it's more used to this kind of attention, but this little place is, doesn't really like it. I actually mm-hmm. found later on another business that did accept Bitcoin, or they claimed to, and they had a QR code on the side of the wall that I had to scan, and that didn't work for some reason. Mm. You could either use the Strike app or you could scan the scan the code, and that didn't work. But um, So were you able to spend Bitcoin in B- Bitcoin Beach? I... I don't believe I did, actually. <laughs> uh, there, there's hotels there, and I guess there's some street vendors that accept it. I didn't run into them while mm. I was there. Wow. It's um, just called Beach now. Yeah, well, there was an article that we read, and I don't remember the source. It was sometime last week uh, or maybe a week ago about the sort of El Salvador, sort of like an overview of what happened, who was behind the scenes. And they talked about this Bitcoin beach where they had like a, a Bitcoin convention that they threw or like a big party or something. And then they like really dressed it up to make the place look way more Bitcoin oriented than it actually was in real life. They described it as a Potemkin village vibe, which is a reference to, I believe, the Russians, if I recall correctly, mm. that set up this sort of show village, which, of course, had nothing to do with the reality right. of communism. Yeah. Uh, but it was a place where you would take a tourist or you know somebody from another well, government. I, I wanted to spear, spearhead that assumption that it's so widespread, the Bitcoin adoption there. So the first thing I actually did, my first video that I released on Odyssey and YouTube, um, was where I just went to a market in the city of Santa Ana. And this is the second largest city in the country. Uh, It's away from San Salvador a little bit. Um, There's this big market where you just walk around and there's all these informal vendors Mm -hmm. selling any variety of goods. This is where regular Salvadorans spend their money. Sure. And uh, we couldn't find anywhere that actually accepted Bitcoin. Wow. Uh, In fact, we talked to the vendors. We... Uh, explain what we were trying to do, got some interviews. I had a translator working with me while I was there just to make sure I understood everything. Um, And there's a thing that they did when they launched the the project is they gave out $30 in BTC to every Salvadoran that registered with their Chivo app. Yep. And uh, what pretty much everyone did was they they created an account on the Chivo app they saw that they had the $30. They found the Chivo ATM, which isn't too far away in the mm-hmm. park there in San Salvador. They're all around the country. Uh, and then they immediately withdrawed for USD. And then forgot uh, about it. couple things with that uh, I'll add on. One person actually told me that she got the $30 and then she deleted the app. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also mentioned that they got $30 in BTC and then they withdrew $30 in USD. So the government is subsidizing the network fees. Mm-hmm. It's either not actually on chain or they're just taking that money and from the people and using it to make these transactions possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From what I understand about the Chivo app is it is not on Bitcoin blockchain. It is just basically a database and the government with whatever their contractor is that they've hired uh, to make this app work 
is in total control of all funds in that case. It's a, what they call a custodial wallet yeah. in the, the world of Bitcoin, meaning that the government uh, or their corporate buddy has custody of however many millions of people, if there are even that many. As you say, this one lady, she got 30 bucks worth of Bitcoin, changed yeah, it into cash, out. and then uninstalled it. So how many installs have been that way where they just came in, got a few, you know, like a week's worth of pay, basically, or whatever. Yeah. 30 bucks goes a long way, as you were saying. Uh, there's more coming up here, and you can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. Can we talk more about El Salvador? Of course. All right, more with uh, The Nudge and his experience. Of course, you're welcome to weigh in as well. It's Free Talk Live. So you've signed the Shire Society Declaration and are planning your move to New Hampshire to be around more liberty-oriented people. Next, sign up for the Shire Society Forum at forum.shiresociety.com. There are a bunch of people there who are already in the Shire, and they want to meet you. If you're already in the Shire physically, you should also come by the forums. Remember, not everyone uses Facebook. New people are signing up for the Shire Society Forum every month, so drop in and say hello at forum.shiresociety.com. Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're talking about some international Bitcoin experiences. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's me, Ian. The Nudge. And the Captain. Uh, The Nudge joining us here. He is a uh, Free State Project participant who migrated to New Hampshire from New York. Excellent choice. And over the last year or so, has been traveling around the world and doing some documentary work, filming himself uh, going to various different places and uh, traveling on crypto. He takes donations to do it. You can find him on Twitter at The Nudge and the number four. And then also he's got an Odyssey channel as well called The Nudge. So check him out. Uh, We're talking about your experience in El Salvador and so my understanding of what you experienced over six weeks, so you didn't just come in, see the sites for a day or two, and then leave. And that's what you were saying. You think that the government expects a lot of the Bitcoin tourists to just fly into the capital. Oh, there are Bitcoin tours available. The, they'll just drive you around to all the spots, basically. And yeah. you They're only very see, aware of that. You only see what they want you to see. Uh, and then go out to Bitcoin Beach, and then which you actually went to Bitcoin Beach and could not find anywhere that would actually take uh, Bitcoin, which was interesting. And then uh, tell us more. What what other highlights? Here's a, I guess a question I had: Did you encounter any business owners? Because I've seen this in some of the articles about El Salvador, business owners who had taken Bitcoin and decided, Nah, we're not going to do this anymore. Uh, we had one of the hotels that I went to, they, they were accepting Bitcoin and then there was some issue with their wallet and then they stopped taking it. So And didn't and, try to fix it right. or whatever. Yeah, because some business owners, they uh, you know maybe were excited about the potential for it, but then they didn't understand at all what they were getting into. One guy said he didn't know anything about Bitcoin until all of a sudden the president of the country says, all right, we're doing this and you're going to take it. And so then he had heard things at that point, but still didn't really know what he was getting into. I mean, a lot of these people probably haven't taken the time to go through an introductory Bitcoin course. They've just downloaded this wallet because they've been told they can get $30 worth of Bitcoin from the government. I feel like it would have been a better idea for the president of El Salvador to go, okay, Bitcoin is legal tender here, instead of it's mandatory to say, okay, you know, it's legal. 
And I exactly. think that would have made it at least it would have taken the uh, the coercion out of the equation. I mean, making it that public definitely awakened a lot of people that were mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, I can use this for investments or my business can start accepting crypto. Um, but, yeah, there's also a lot other businesses that were more upset with this sudden move. Yeah, no one wants to be told what to do, at least unless you really like that. The average business owner makes decisions based on what their customers are demanding or what they think their customers are going to want. I mean, whenever the government comes in, it's just a huge inconvenience, especially when you jump through these hoops and then no one walks through the door and asks to pay with Bitcoin. And that's I'm, happening. I'm all about adoption of cryptocurrency. Like, I was just sitting here uh, amazed that you've had these experiences and that here it is 2022, you know, a little more than a decade since Bitcoin was created. And, you know, there used to be a time when you couldn't use Bitcoin for anything. And now we're talking about, oh, you travel to many different international countries and you book your flights and your hotels for mm-hmm. this site that takes a bunch of different ones. And like, this is progress, right? And so adoption is key to to getting it right and fixing the money, right, that is taking money out of the hands of centralized governments and centralized banks is the key to making society a better place, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, there are a lot of opportunities where I would have liked to spend Bitcoin, but just learning more about how the businesses are set up and how uh, a lot of them are converting the BTC to USD automatically through the Chivo app. And then just thinking about the process for me to get money, receiving donations from my viewers, uh, overwhelmingly in other cryptocurrencies, converting it to BTC, getting set up with the Lightning Network, which is a whole ordeal by itself, then paying them with Lightning Network to their wallet, hopefully they receive it, then they go convert it automatically to USD in the app, and then they have to go find an ATM to get cash. At that point, I'd rather just pay them in cash because that's what they want. what they right. want. right. Yeah, that's a really great point. And that's one of the nice things about here in Keene, which you've been hanging around Keene for the last couple of days. Uh, a lot of the business owners, and I, I happen to know this because I helped a lot of the business owners get set up for yeah. accepting crypto in, in town. Almost all of them hold on to the crypto that they receive or they'll actually spend it. So like one lady that runs a, a convenience store in downtown called Corner News that has been taking Bitcoin since I think 2013 or something like that. A very long time. Uh, she went on vacation with some Bitcoin. She she spent Bitcoin on, uh, I think, some plane tickets or her hotel at nice. some point, and she was really happy uh, to be able to to use what she'd earned over time. Of course, over the years, it had gone up in quite a bit of value, uh, so she was really excited that basically her Bitcoin paid for her entire vacation. Yeah, and- I-, I mentioned this to Aria yesterday when I was getting a tour of Keen, uh, that it's just amazing how much the it being voluntary makes makes a difference. And I also say that right. the types of the variety of the businesses that are here, even coming from the seacoast, if you go to Portsmouth, there's a lot of there's still a lot of gaps in the type of places that you would want to spend money on a regular or a weekly basis mm-hmm. where it doesn't seem like you really have that here. Uh, we talked to I talked to a couple people at the meetup yesterday and it it definitely seems like it is possible, like you said, the, with your experiment for a week here that you can actually live on crypto in Keene. Yeah, and the other reason that I want to tell our listeners that I enjoy spending the cryptocurrency, uh, there's a couple of reasons, but one, 
uh, I don't want to pay for a government's murder spree. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I don't care if I'm spending it on a peer to peer basis or if I'm going through some other intermediary, you know, like some sort of a debit card situation or whatever. Uh, I'm spending, I feel a lot better about myself as a person. Uh, spending cryptocurrency because i know i have eliminated the murder spree at least as much as i can on an individual basis by spending cryptocurrency on goods and services yeah and i appreciate your comments uh nudge regarding this sort of grassroots effort that we have here in new hampshire you mentioned portsmouth it's sort of uh the uh, the queen, if you will, to Keen's king of crypto. We definitely have more businesses accepting crypto here uh, per capita and even just raw numbers than uh, Portsmouth. What happened in Portsmouth was Derek J. Freeman and Steven Zeiler moved there. And, of course, they're the guys behind AnyPay. And right. those are like, if there was ever a power couple of, as far as uh, New Hampshire's crypto scene, <laughs> yeah. they're definitely it. And they basically single-handedly set up almost all of those uh, businesses out in Portsmouth. And so you'll see that they've set up the places where they were likely to go, right? So, And that's what you want to do. You, I don't want to go and set up a business where I'm not going to be the customer. I don't want to like pretend that I'm going to go to a place, right? So I want to go and set up places where I can go and eat, someplace I can go and, you know, uh, I don't get my haircut outside of the home, but there's places that do haircuttings and there's an auto repair shop here. Uh, there's, you know, an ice cream shop. There's Corner News and there's another convenience store called Mighty Moose Smarts. We actually have more than one convenience store. Yeah. Uh, so we want a place, we want places where people can go regularly and where they are likely to go regularly to spend the crypto. Because if we go and we get an auto dealer on board, how often is somebody going to go in there with uh, with cryptocurrency and want to buy a car? I mean, well, that just th- that's definitely been my thought. Um, some people have asked me why I haven't been doing more crypto uh, merchant onboarding while I've been traveling around, and the honest answer is I don't know when the next person's going to want to come in and yeah, spend it. You're not coming back. If you're there a was visitor. a community built there, I'd definitely be willing to help them, help out with an onboarding team, and I assume that I'll probably be doing that in the future, but if I don't see people coming to this business and to go through all the effort of teaching them yeah. about cryptocurrency and getting them set up with a wallet and everything, I'd rather spend that where I know it's actually going to get immediately put to use. Right. I mean, it's not bad to teach somebody a thing, but if you walk out and you're the last person they see who's going to spend crypto with them, you've just basically left them high and dry. At some point, they're going to say, why are we doing this? Why do we have this tablet here? No one ever comes in and, and uses it. And, uh, you know, the sad thing is that's happened in some places in New Hampshire. There was a place in Manchester uh, on, like, the main drag in Manchester called, uh, it's like a chocolates place, like fancy designer chocolates. Yeah. And they were taking crypto because the owner was interested in it at one time. And and I called him as I was, I was doing an audit of the New Hampshire businesses that took crypto. I called him up and he said he hasn't taken it for a few years and delete him from the map because no one ever came in to spend it there. He still loves it, yeah. just no one spends it. More coming up. Yeah, it is Free Talk Live, and the phones are open for you if you want to join us here on the live Saturday show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And if you really love crypto, like cryptocurrency, you should get around other crypto users. It's kind of what we're talking about right now. Uh, and by the way, with you tonight, it's Ian. The Nudge. And the Captain. Because having that community of cryptocurrency users basically creates a cryptocurrency marketplace yeah. 
and a cryptocurrency economy that before in that physical location didn't exist. And so having those people there to go to local businesses and who are willing to and interested in spending cryptocurrency keeps the local businesses interested in crypto, keeps them on board with continuing to accept it, because otherwise they will drop off the radar. And we've seen it happen when the the guys from AnyPay left Portsmouth they had to due to circumstances uh with the you know government uh but uh they sadly you know they're they were the real go-getters in portsmouth and even though there's a bunch of free staters out there i don't think there were near as many that were focused on business acceptance of cryptocurrency so many of them have dropped off the radar as a result of their two key uh, buyers leaving town right so it's important to have that sort of groundswell that grassroots movement we were talking with mark falzen yesterday about saint martin's where that seems to really be happening uh, and i know that's i think somewhere yeah. where you want to visit soon nudge yeah i'm thinking maybe early summer i could i could pop down to the caribbean and check out saint martin and actually i think they're trying to do almost like a bowling alley type method going to all these islands in a chain uh, and onboarding them to accept Bitcoin Cash. Ooh. Yeah, it's really interesting what they're doing down there. If you uh, missed last night's show, go grab it over at freetalklive.com and, and or watch it on our Odyssey channel, which you can go to video.freetalklive.com. Be sure to follow us on Odyssey. Also, The Nudge has an Odyssey channel, so check him out there as well. Let's go to your phone calls and thoughts. Dan is on the line in Nebraska. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, you guys. Um, you know, I've, I've been listening to uh, some of the you know, the story here about um, cryptocurrency in El Salvador. And I guess I've, you know, I, I can't help but notice you're making these comments about how it'd be a good thing if the dollar was weaker or comments that seem to imply that Bitcoin or Bitcoin users would be better off if the dollar were to fail. You know, I don't, I don't think that that's, that's, you know, I don't think that's very responsible rhetoric. Well, I think the dollar is going to fail. The dollar has been failing for many, many years, decades even. Mathematicians have put their minds to it and said it's not a question of when or or if, it's a question of when. I mean, I don't relish people having their savings uh, diminished, which is ultimately what happens if you have the dollar. That that doesn't make me feel good. Um, So I understand that the people who are going to suffer the most from the decline of the dollar are the people who use the dollar, and that doesn't warm my heart. I don't feel good about that, but we do see what's coming. The dollar is doing fine right now, you guys. No, it's not. You are engaging in... Are you a troll? Right? Are you seriously trolling I'm us? You actually troll. believe no, the dollar's no, doing Dan, fine? Dan in Nebraska is okay, a regular hold on, caller. Hold on, hold on. But Ian, 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 I know he's regular. That doesn't mean he's so not trolling as, regularly. Well, that's true. As far as, as far as 2022 goes, has been so far, the dollar has like compared extremely well to all the other currencies. Uh, okay. Let's be clear that it... Hold on, Okay. Let, let's be clear that it's only enjoyed that status because it is a reserve currency. Uh, the U.S. has enjoyed for many, many decades the opportunity to print endlessly and start these wars and harass other countries. And it's all based on the U.S. dollar as a reserve and the petrodollar. So if it, we're actually it's going to strength that hasn't been at in in years. Okay, the last time it was this good <laughs> was when people started buckling down onto it. I, I think you want to zoom out a little bit on yeah. the on the graph there. 
Yeah, what you don't understand or what you're missing, uh, Dan, whether it's on purpose or not, I'm not sure. But what you're missing here is that when you compare the dollar to other currencies in the world, you mean other government monies, then you're basically comparing a race to the bottom. Because every fiat money out there, every government money is being printed endlessly. None of it is backed by anything of value. Every central bank that has the printing press has been operating that printing press year after year. And during COVID, they all cranked up the printing presses. So we're seeing inflation of the money supply, not just in the United States, but elsewhere. So if you just compare the dollar to the Canadian dollar or to the rupee or, you know, ruble or yuan, or whatever, then yeah, maybe the dollar will be the quote-unquote strongest of the government monies out there. But all of them have been inflated. All of them have had their buying power weakened. Do you understand what inflation is? I understand what inflation is. and Do you deny it? The, you, the dollar has a, has a, an amount of inflation that's like healthy to the currency. That's, that's a, a ridiculous no claim. You Do you deny no that inflation is happening? Inflation has been happening right now in in certain, um, you know, in certain markets. Yes. No, no, no. It's not but, certain markets. So the fact that you just said that tells me you don't know what inflation is. So inflation is not a rise in prices. Rises in prices are a symptom of inflation. That's what could tell you that inflation is is perhaps going on. But inflation is an increase in the money supply. That's when the government prints out more money or they increment numbers in a computer system to create from thin air more money, more dollars in our case, or in you know Chinese yuan's case, more yuan or whatever. And then that means more of the dollars are chasing around the same amount of goods, and so therefore prices go up. And in fact, by the government's own measurements, the inflation numbers are at record highs right now. I mean, does that do you care about that? Does that mean something to you? Is it a is it a problem? Yes, of course. Oh, it is a problem. But okay, this good. This is also this is something that. Um, it's it's a very recent development. It's a relatively recent development, and I, I it's possible that it's short term. Uh, no, I, I don't know. If if you look at uh, as the nudge okay, here well, said, if you look at the chart, you know, zoom out a little bit and and go back to oh, I don't know, nineteen thirteen, for example, mm-hmm. and look at how much one dollar of value was then, and then look at today. How much is one dollar value? What can it buy you today? You're going to see a chart that uh, looks like somebody dove off a cliff because it's, it's done down. nothing but go down and down and down and down. And for for an anecdotal evidence, uh, I looked up. Uh, I, I was about to buy a duplex in 1996 before I moved to Seattle mm. in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for sixty five thousand dollars. I looked it up online the other day. The same one. Same same duplex just sold for four hundred thousand dollars. Thereabouts. Wow. Right. So don't tell me that you know. Oh, it's a recent thing. No, the value of the dollar has been going down. At Longer than I have been alive, and I'm going to be 50 in a couple of months. Yeah, and you know who benefits from all this? The people in the state and their corporate buddies. They're the ones who siphon off the wealth whenever they print new money into existence. They're not making new wealth. They're not adding value. New money doesn't mean everybody's richer. What it does is it takes wealth from people's savings, which is why it is bad. Inflation is bad. It's actually a tax on people. It takes wealth from savers. So, okay, I actually have a question here, which would be, 
what what would you think would be a would be a, a price that that house could be, could be worth right now that would show there was a uh, good or reasonable or healthy amount of inflation? You know what what should that price? I don't be think and I mean I can't speak for you guys, but I don't think anybody on this show thinks inflation is a healthy thing. Am I wrong about that? There has to be Absolutely. some type of frictional inflation. There has to be some. No, there type doesn't. Of inflation that goes. What could happen in a free market is you might actually see a deflationary effect where people who are savers are actually rewarded uh, for saving rather than punished. But the government doesn't benefit from that. So the state has an interest Nobody in benefits inflating. from that because it decentivizes consumption. No, it doesn't. People, people would people still invest. More. Pe- <laughs> wow. You've got to be trolling, man. Do you really believe this stuff? Trolling. It's just trolling. amazing this that somebody how, could actually say that. Our, this is how we get the value we have for our money and for our lives. No, that's not how you get value. You don't get value by printing more money out of thin air. That steals people's value, and it puts it in the hands of murderous politicians who go around dropping bombs on people all around the planet. Thank hey, you for the call, Dan. I go think ahead. Dan could uh, use some Mises.org. Yeah, I, and you can't trade your dollar for silver or gold today, so it has no value. What, what do you mean you can't trade your dollar for silver or gold? Well, you, you can't, can't go to a bank with your dollar bill oh, and get a dollar of silver. Meaning it's not backed anymore. And at one yeah. time that it, it was in the past. Which uh, famously New Hampshire was a site where that changed. Correct. Yeah. What was it called? Uh, this was in uh, hotel Bretton, Woods. Bretton Woods. Bretton Woods. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, we got more coming up here. Are you staying with us? I will be sticking around. All right. Okay. More coming up here with, uh, with the nudge, the captain, and Ian here on Free Talk Live as we get into our number three. Whether you want to talk about money things or whatever is on your mind, inflation is on a lot of people's mind out there. We can talk about gas prices in Mexico coming up as well because that's a factor. It's Free Talk Live. Live. We're continuing here into our number three of the live Saturday show. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. The Nudge. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. The Nudge is here with us as a special guest co-host tonight. You can follow him on his Twitter account, at The Nudge, number four. Yeah. And he's also got an Odyssey channel called Yeah, all, my socials, all my socials are at cointr.ee slash nudge. Very good. I think that's linked on your... Yeah, it's linked to your yeah, Twitter, it's on Twitter. Well. Uh, So check him out. Uh, we did a lot of talk earlier in the show about your experiences traveling around. For people that want to learn more about that, you've got videos on an Odyssey channel where they can watch your I experiences. I do, yeah. So check that out. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts, though. First up, we have Robert on the line in South Carolina. Robert, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yes, hi. I just wanted to say that if you want to benefit from inflation, the best way to do it is to find out uh, where the, um, in German the word is engpass, that means the place where the, the, the supply is restricted the most. For example, in, 
John D. Rockefeller's time, it was the refining of oil. So he went into refining with um, Henry Flagler. And, they, and, they, and John D. Rockefeller said, you have to sell something where the people are standing in line to buy it. And that was fuel. People wanted it desperately badly. And the thing is, you, you keep raising the price to figure out exactly what the price is that the market will bear. In other words, if you charge too much for it at that point, you'd sell a little less. And if you sold, if you sold it for a little less, less than what the market will bear, then you'd sell more of it than you really needed to, to have to in order to make the most profit. And that's how you benefit the most. Yeah, and, so and dynamic pricing, inflation. man. Well, that has nothing to do with inflation. You're just talking about yes. setting a price in a market. Okay, well, the reason why it has to do with inflation is because you'd be the first one to benefit from inflation. As the price goes up, the market will bear a little bit more, and you'll sense that immediately. And be the no, you don't understand. Well, what he no. is describing, though, is what happens to the banks and uh, what some people refer to as the elite, uh, as well as the governments. They're the first sort of uh, they they get the benefit first right when when this new money is printed by either the banks uh, mm-hmm. or the federal reserve uh, then the people who already have the money and own the money they get the first benefit right. of that by being able to spend it first correct that's that's how you if you're going if you're going to quote unquote benefit from inflation you have to be politically connected and you have to you know know the politicians and get government money you know handed to you first but what you're describing robert is just the process of setting a price based on what you think the market will bear. And you use the term, when the price goes up. Well, if the price is going up and you are somebody selling at a retail location, that means your wholesaler is charging you more. So generally, when the price goes up, you have to charge more if you want to keep making the same profit. And of course, everybody else is also charging more because all of the wholesalers are also raising their rates because everything costs more when you inflate the money supply. Everything from, you know, the the rawest of raw materials to the, of course, uh, uh, transactional costs of getting them from one point to another, the logistics of it, uh, because you have to spend gas in order to get things from point to point. So everything just builds on on, uh, these price increases, and they all come out of uh, the government money just continually uh, being printed. Well, there's another thing that, that, that uh, the people from Baden-Württemberg believe. They, in those days, they spoke, spoke a language called Schwäbisch, which is an old German dialect. And, and in Schwäbisch, the, the saying goes, Wer den Pfennig nicht ert, ist Ketaler wert. Whoever doesn't honor the penny is not worth the dollar, which was the old German word for Taller, T-A-L-L-E-R, pronounced dollar, exactly the same as ours. And they believed in that. And John D. Rockefeller went into one of his fabrication facilities, in other words, a factory, and he looked at what was going on, and he, he saw the man putting one drop of, putting the, putting the lead around the corner of the of the little, uh, um, um, the, they used to sell them in little containers, the, the oil, the gasoline at, at the beginning. So he said to the guy, okay, you put one drop less every time you make one of those. And when it started to leak, he said, okay, put one drop more, and that's how many drops you put in from now on. In other words, they were interested in saving the tiniest amount of money because they believed that, 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 that it's the, the, the little things that count when you're doing a massive volume like that. Okay. I don't know what that has to do with uh, inflation, but thank you for the call tonight. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. If we're talking about you know, manufacturing a product at optimal levels. Okay. It sounded like he was talking about what some of the uh, the the producers of goods, and I'm thinking foods in the grocery store they do. There's a term for it. I can't remember off the top of my head. Shrinkflation. Yeah. Yes, thank you. It sounded, that sounded like what he was describing to me. 
Yeah, and then he made this uh, German statement about if you don't honor the penny, you know, you sh- shouldn't be dealt with or something like that. And it's like, well, have you heard about the hyperinflation that the uh, German people had to face in the 1920s? Because they, it would take a wheelbarrow full of money to buy like a loaf of bread yeah. at that time. Let me tell you, people weren't given a damn about whatever the penny was at that moment because that wouldn't do anything. Didn't that happen in Greece? Right? It's happened in a bunch of places. Venezuela. And, yeah. Venezuela, Venezuela right you. now oh. it's happening. I, people just don't seem to understand that a state-based currency, a government currency, is not the same as a free market currency. In fact, mm. there hasn't been a free market currency that I'm aware of until Bitcoin. Well, I mean, there's always been gold and silver. I mean, the Liberty Dollar came out uh, in the late 1990s. I do remember the, the Liberty Dollar. Yeah. Until the federal government raided their uh, headquarters in 2007 and brought the uh, creator of the Liberty Dollar up on counterfeiting charges. Bernard, yeah. Uh, Bernard von Nothaus. So, I mean, there have been alternatives out there, but they've never been widespread. And, like, when people go, well, but every country has a cur- th- This is still a limited market. Right? This is a state-based, coercion-based, violence-based market. It's not based on the free market at all, period. Cryptocurrency is a free market. It's the freest market of currency that, in my opinion, has ever existed. Uh, yeah. I can't think of another freer market of currency for the first time. And it didn't ask permission. Because if it did, the government would have been like, no. Yeah, of course. You can't make this. <laughs> well, why not? Well, because we rule and right. you don't. You can't compete with us. That's what they would say. Yeah. You're absolutely spot on about that. And crypto, the thing that made it so free was that it's code. Yeah. You know, it exists on the internet. And so no one can stop it because you can't it's, close the internet down at this point. Cat's out of the bag. To me, it's more than code. It's language. And I, mm-hmm. I try to explain yeah. this to people who uh, I ask, have you ever played me? Well, I took like piano lessons in the third grade. Okay. So you understand that music exists and you understand that, you know, playing notes and, and that music is an expression generally of your feelings, right? Mm. It's usually how musical art is made. Like somebody's, somebody says, oh, I want a, I want a ditty for my commercial that's sort of upbeat and happy, right? And somebody's got to invent like a happy melody yep. or whatever, right? So it's, it's an expression of your feelings, right? I like that. I've heard someone else say it as music is what feelings sound like. Okay. Yeah. And in, in the same way, cryptocurrency is a language that expresses value, mm-hmm. right? And that's why it exists. That's why it can exist without permission, because it has been designed to do so, as opposed to government currencies, which have been designed to fund their murder sprees and your and oppression and yeah. steal from you and do all sorts of other, all the bad things that people are afraid will happen in the absence of government are happening in the presence of government by the governments and from the governments themselves. And that's also why blockchain and cryptocurrency projects have existed long ago. And some of them just aren't here now because they didn't prove prove some kind of value to the marketplace yeah there have been thousands of Good failed point. cryptocurrency experiments we don't talk about them because they're not worth talking about uh, most of them aren't even memorable in any way shape or form some of them still kind of exist but they don't really you know they're not making any kind of impact of course right. there are thousands of them that do exist today but only some of them are actually relevant and that goes back to one of the things you were saying earlier nudge that you don't spend time promoting or talking about or uh, anything that's not actually useful to you and I think that's an important, you know, difference. There's so many of these meme coins out there, which they're they're 
they're fun or whatever. Like, oh, ha ha, it's a Doge or you know, okay, yeah, I get it, cute or trendy but or whatever. Is that ever going to amount to anything besides just a you know, like you said, a trend, something that's temporary? We continue here. Your calls are welcome. The number is 603-283-6160, although Doge may last longer than the U.S. dollar at this <laughs> at this point. <laughs> get, right, get those wheelbarrows ready. <laughs> There's more on the way. Uh, you can take control of the airwaves. Join us, 603-283-6160. It doesn't have to be about the um, inflation situation. It can be whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. The phones are open for you. 603-283-6160. Join us online anytime at freetalklive.com. More coming up. It is Free Talk Live. You're invited if you want to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you, it's Ian. And the Nudge. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. You can join us online anytime you want. Head over to freetalklive.com. And don't forget, you can join us in real life at ForkFest, which is coming up this summer. I'm stoked. Great opportunity to come check out New Hampshire. You've heard a lot about the freedom movement here. You want to see if it's a real thing? Well, come on out to ForkFest. And if you get a chance, you should also go to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which happens the week before ForkFest, although it is basically a sold-out event at this point. ForkFest, not sold out because, well, essentially it can't really sell out unless the campground sells out, and that's probably not going to happen. ForkFest is a much more intimate event than the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It happens this year from June 27th through July 3rd. It's the same place as the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is decentralized, which means there's no tickets, no one's in charge. So you bring yourself and bring whatever it is you want to bring to the party, basically. So if you want to, you know, just hang out with people, you can do that. That's easy enough. If you want to create a thing for other people to do, maybe you want to cook and offer food for sale, or maybe you want to create a poker game or karaoke. I know Bonnie said she wants to do karaoke. Uh, or host it, I guess, this year. So you love be... karaoke. I do. I do. But Bonnie said she wants to do karaoke, meaning like... Awesome. And, be... and if you wanted to attend Porkfest and then Forkfest, you don't even have to leave. You just stay put. You just stay right there. Yep. It's, uh, that's Beautiful a great way to North do it. Country if you've got the two weeks, then that's a great way to spend two weeks with more freedom lovers than you could possibly imagine. Go to Forkfest.party and learn more about it. All you have to do to attend is just reserve your campsite, your RV site, or your motel room with Rogers Campground for June 27th through July 3rd. Uh, and, of course, you don't have to stay for the whole week. If you can only get off for the weekend, then come on up. They've got an amazing fireworks show that they do uh, on that weekend there at the campground. It's ForkFest.Party to learn more about the event as we go to your calls and thoughts. We have Stephen in North Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Stephen. Hey, um, so I have a bunch of inflation questions for you guys and some inflation questions regarding Bitcoin. Sure. Um, so I, I don't know why I remember this, but... I don't know, I was 14 or so, so 15 years ago, mm-hmm. um, the national debt ceiling got raised to $10 trillion, and everyone lost their mind because there was no way we could have $10 trillion in debt, and now it's like, can we please go back to that? There are $30 trillion uh, now. Yeah, 30.3. Yeah. I just pulled up the national debt clock. Uh, who's who's so counting at this point? If, if inflation is... A large money supply, a growing money supply chasing a dwindling goods and services industry, then 
How does how does the debt itself affect that? How does the government's debt affect inflation? Inflation. Yeah, it doesn't. So government debt is I'm going to turn you down there because you got. To, I know you're you're probably calling from work. I think he said that he, he works in the kitchen there. Oh, that's why we're here in the dishwasher. If y'all are here, I'll walk outside. Yeah, yeah. So government debt is, you know, when they have, what is it? The deficit is the difference between the spending and what they bring in, right? And then I believe that goes on to the debt, if I recall correctly. I believe you're correct. Uh, the way I look at the government debt is uh, first of all it's their way of paying for war on the backs of the unborn mm-hmm. that is to say that whenever somebody is born on the soil known as the United States of America that they are immediately in debt to the tune of uh, well over 10,000 i think it's like 30,000 40,000 dollars debt per citizen according to the according to usdebtclock.org is currently 91,229 dollars all right so 90 90 grand you're born you're 90 grand in debt because you live uh, in the geographic area known as the united states of america uh, this is wrong on every level. If the cost of war was actually bore in real time by the current living people, living, we'll call them citizens for lack of a better term, if it was actually bore by the current living citizens, war would be over tomorrow because the citizens mm-hmm. would, would get the bill and they'd be like, no, I am not paying this. You guys are high. We're, we're not doing this. Uh, there might even be a revolution. But because they're like, oh well, we're gonna we're gonna borrow money from this entity called the Federal Reserve, which is neither federal nor has any reserves, uh, and they're gonna print it and then they're gonna call it debt, and that debt's gonna grow. So nobody actually sees the cost of war, which, uh, it, in my opinion, I believe is the majority of the debt that exists there. But nobody ever sees the cost of war, so you don't actually feel it in your pocketbook. You go on and you continue to pay taxes. Meanwhile, that debt grows and grows and grows and grows. Yeah, so um, so inflation is just the money supply, basically. And you know they do have to inflate in order to increase the debt, in order to do more wars. So they are tied together uh, in that way. The fact that a baby can be born in the united states of america and be ninety one thousand dollars in debt well that's just pure fantasy i'm sorry i don't believe for a moment that just because you're sucking air on this plot of land means you've all of a sudden adopted their debt it it should upset a whole bunch of people i didn't sign an agreement i didn't sign a a contract saying that i agreed to pay for these insane people in washington dc and what they're doing there me neither but they're still not in debt they're still doing it. Well, they're they're claiming you are, and they're still taxing you. Oh, that's ridiculous. So it's all ridiculous. Well, it, it is a big steaming pile of ridiculousness. Well, it's also a reason why some of these under other countries that have tried to copy the United States and printing their money endlessly mm-hmm. have experienced hyperinflation the last couple of years mm-hmm. because they don't have the same privileges. And there's all these powerful countries and organizations around the world that are dependent on the dollar staying stable. So you have all this debt that's piling up, and everyone knows what's going to happen when the bill comes due. So basically, they just get to keep gambling with your future. They kick the can down the road over and over again. And here's another interesting statistic they have here at usdebtclock.org, is the federal debt-to-GDP ratio. And what that means is, well... 
what amount of the GDP, the gross domestic product, what is that? How does that compare to the amount of federal debt that there is? Again, we know there's thirty point three trillion dollars in national debt. That, according to this, it is at one hundred and twenty five point five nine percent, meaning that the debt is higher than the GDP by 125%. It used to be in the year 2000, just 20 years ago, 58.5%. Yeah. Prior to that in 1980, 34.5%. Uh, so, I mean, this is, you want to talk about unsustainable levels of debt? We're in the middle of it right now. The I mean, math just doesn't work out in the long run. Uh, you said you had more than one question, Stephen, or did that answer it for you? Well, that answers a lot of it, but... um. So Bitcoin, I've been looking at Bitcoin um, more so as like a um, as a sort of rebellion, I guess. Like I'm done with you. I'm disconnecting in every way, shape, and form. I think there's other ways of doing it, but I think it's a, a nice way of doing it. Um, but how much of Bitcoin's value going up? Isn't because Bitcoin's going up, but because the dollar's going down. That's a really interesting question, actually. It's a great question. And yeah. I don't know if there's any real way to answer it. I suspect it is going up faster than the value of the dollar going down because you can still buy the relative, you know, you can still buy a certain amount of goods. I suspect for a it's a little of both. Well, Let's talk about it. Let's talk. Hold that thought. We'll continue here with that question and more in moments. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can join us here. Live Saturday show. Phones are open at 603-283-6160. It's Ian the Nudge and Captain Kickass in the studio here. You can join us online anytime you want. Head over to freetalklive.com. We do have a Matrix chat server. You can go to chat.freetalklive.com. Interact with other Free Talk Live listeners there. Uh, it is free, and it's... Self-hosted, meaning that we run the server, not some big tech uh, evil corporation. And so that means you've got more freedom to express yourself there. You can create your own channels if you want to. If There's not, a, there's dozens of channels that listeners have created there. Uh, but if you don't see the thing you want to talk about, you can just make that. You can make it happen over at chat.freetalklive.com to get the instructions on how to get connected. Uh, we were just talking about, uh, we had Stephen on the line. Actually, he's still there uh, in Georgia. And Stephen, you'd asked the question, you were asking some questions about the national debt and looking at uh, also just the price of Bitcoin and the dollar. And you asked a good question, and I'm going to see if I can recap it here for our panel. And that was, how do we know how much of the increase in the price of Bitcoin is due to the market valuing Bitcoin higher versus just the dollar going down in value? And do you guys, I think, Nudge, you wanted to take a crack at that one? Um, I mean, it's definitely... What I was thinking is that I wanted to reference the stock market because during the height of lockdowns and all of this government uh, bureaucracy and people's lives and ruining businesses, the stock market was at record highs mm-hmm. and you had all this free money coming in with the stimulus stimulus checks and they, people had to spend it somewhere. I think a lot of the volatility in the stock market and the crypto industry is these inexperienced retail investors coming in to have the money and they're just throwing it into something like that. I uh, I think it's both is the answer to his question that there is 
uh, how to tell how much i don't know but there is obviously if a you know if the u.s government is or the federal reserve and banks are flooding the market with more dollars right that's going to result in an increase in price when measured against dollars mm-hmm. in in cryptocurrency however cryptocurrency is still a young technology it is uh, it exists in the ether world, in the digital world, where it can be developed upon and improved upon, and it's not done being improved upon yet. We we still know that the user experience, the user interfaces Needs work. Are, need, need work. And so we're kind of in the, uh, I don't know, the old school phone modem days where like <laughs> cryptocurrency is very annoying. It makes some really annoying sounds and you can't always use it all the time wherever mm-hmm. you're at and all that kind of thing. But these things are being developed upon. So as cryptocurrency increases its ease of use and its utility, then that the price is going to go up because now it is far more valuable than it was previously. Well, not only that, but some of the traditional investors and institutions are are embracing it. And for traders, they see that as a sign that it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't think cryptocurrency is going to go uh, anywhere but up. I think t- I typically believe that about crypto, yeah. uh, whether that's because the dollar is devaluing or the market is actually just valuing it higher and higher over time for various different reasons. Because one thing that is for sure about cryptocurrency, whether we're talking about Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or you know all the various other ones, most of them do exactly what they say they're going to do. They allow you to transfer value from one person to another anywhere on the planet in a matter of moments without having to ask anyone's permission. And that is valuable. Mm. That that service is valuable. What is the value of that to people? Well, that is what the market is trying to figure out, right? Like, what what is this thing going to actually be worth? Is it ever going to settle down in its price, or is it going to stop being so crazy with the ups and the downs, the roller coaster uh, charts? I, I don't know. I mean, some well, people believe that's going to happen with it someday. I'll go. I'll go make a prediction, and I think I've said something along these lines before. It's not even my prediction. I'm predicting. I, I believe somebody else's prediction, and I'm you know sort of appropriating it, if you will. But that is that. Uh, the cryptocurrency networks will eventually experience what's called an inversion. Uh, this happened in, in telephony, right? Telephones. Used to be the internet ran over copper wire. Mm-hmm. And then they discovered that, oh, you can transmit digital data over fiber, you know, better, way better and easier than you can over copper. So they started replacing all that. And now all of the telephone traffic, you know, has inverted, right? The telephone traffic now runs over the digital network, mm-hmm. the internet, if you will. Right. And so we'll see the same thing eventually with currencies. I think we will see that if the U.S. I mean, the U.S. dollar isn't going to die like tomorrow, I think. I think we're going to see an eventuality where we experience an inversion in currency where something called the U.S. dollar, maybe it's a digital version of it, Mm. uh, rides on top of the cryptocurrency networks that are being established right now. Yeah. And I think the banks are trying to figure that as well, because it's a lot cheaper to send uh, payment digitally than to ship a pallet of cash. Right. Or even use the old payment networks like SWIFT, yep. uh, which is for international banks, or the even the ACH system in the United States. These things are old and decrepit. I'm not trying to give slow. banks any idea, but if they you know, sort of invented their own cryptocurrency as a consortium of banks and just used that as their own private uh, method of transmitting and receiving value between each other, they'd probably be way better off. That'd be a smart move. I mean, there have been crypto uh, companies out there and organizations like Stellar, for instance, that have been you know, working on getting people these It wasn't uh, XRP, Ripple, weren't Ripple they trying to do that as well? to do that, too. Yeah. Of course, the government's targeted them recently. But, uh, Stephen, any other uh, thoughts? Go ahead. Yeah, I 
yeah, so I'm just the inflation stuff really has me concerned because um, you look at what happens and like the next step it goes inflation, hyperinflation, mass panic, mass violence, right? It can. Um, I mean, okay, so here's a question for you. Name one country it didn't. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that, I mean, it's already we're having people stealing gas here in the United States. Thanks for the call tonight, Stephen. Uh, I mean, as the gas prices are going up, the desperate people who were already having a tough time are going to get more desperate, and desperate people are willing to do things like hold somebody at knife point or whatever. That's not happening yet. They're, you know, just siphoning gas uh, at this point, but... Certainly, the the more the inflation goes insane, we saw the stories from Venezuela about you walk down the street uh, in some parts of Venezuela and somebody's going to snatch a cell phone. If you get your phone in your hand, somebody's going to snatch it right out of your hand and they're going to run or they're going to hold you at knife point or maybe you're going to get jacked out of your car or whatever because the more people in desperate circumstances, the more violence you see for sure. Yeah, I had heard about gangs situated between the airport in Venezuela and the city of Caracas that would actually... Uh, hold up and abduct people as they're coming right out of, into the country. Yeah, and then would they have them go to like an ATM and withdraw cash? Because that's like a classic thing that supposedly has happened in uh, in some parts of Mexico. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so they know the tourists have some money, right? And they just they they'll let you go once you pull the cash out. They don't want to like keep you and feed you or you know kill you and have to deal with all that. So they just you know take they take you to an ATM. You take all your cash out and then they let you go. The, the one thing I'll say about inflation, when it's created by injecting money into the system out of thin air, is it quite simply means more for them and less for you. That's the right. dollars that you currently have in your pocket now become worth less by whatever the same percentages of the amount of money that they put into the system, if not more, right? Yeah. You're, you're losing more than that value. So... Uh, I used the example of the house I was trying to buy in 96 earlier yeah. today, right? The one that went uh, the, up by like that, 10x. 10x or whatever, right? Now, just imagine if I'd have saved that money. Let's say 1996, I saved up, we'll call it $100,000, just mm-hmm. for round math, right? I saved $100,000. Now, I could have done a lot of stuff with that $100,000 in, in 1996. Right. I could only do a fraction of that same amount of stuff in 2022, right? If I'd have just held on to that one hundred thousand dollars and never spent it, put it in like a bank, maybe I earn a little bit of interest, you know, in a bank account, you know, three percent or one percent or whatever a savings account gives you these days, right? I could still do very little, much less than I could have in 1996 with that same number of dollars. So yep. more for them, less for you. Exactly right. We're going to continue here. Your calls and thoughts are welcome. The number is 603-283-6160. Whether you want to talk about inflation, and by the way, this is like the hot topic of the times. You know, it used to be, uh, I was commenting to Nudge about our callers and, you know, what what sets people off. Uh, these days, inflation is what people want to talk about. Because it should. It's what affects absolutely everyone. This isn't some sort of political question that only some people have an opinion about. Money affects everyone. The number is 603-283-6160. Except people who don't use dollars anymore or or use any fiat money. If you're completely converted to gold, silver, and crypto, then it actually doesn't affect you, really. We're coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Phones open. Even in these remaining moments, maybe enough time for you if you jump on the lines right now at 603-283-6160. Uh, in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Ian. The Nudge. And the Captain. And once again, don't forget to check out The Nudge on his Odyssey channel. 
You can get to Odyssey by going to our channel over at video.freetalklive.com and then search for The Nudge and you'll find him. Uh, he's also on Twitter at the nudge number 4 so check him out there as we go back to your phone calls and thoughts. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Let's go to Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live, Tom. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, it would be hilarious. You know, Donald Trump is uh, telling the uh, Georgia Secretary of State, I need you to find me all these thousands of votes. I need you to make all these corrections to the vote counts. I need you to make all these corrections to the certification because, uh, you know, you've got to uh, count the votes and audit everything. We need to make you all these corrections to it. And then he winds up in the Georgia Department of Corrections. Wouldn't that be funny? Uh, yeah, but that's not going to happen. It would yeah. be funny. Would be funny. I, I, yeah. Thanks for the call tonight, Tom. Yeah, we, you and I both know uh, that politicians especially at the federal level, do not suffer any kind of consequences for their actions. Nope. That's part of the deal. They all protect one another, even though they act like they're at each other's throats and they don't like one another. Ultimately, none of them want to be the sacrificial lamb. They don't want to have to go to prison, so they don't send each other to prison. Well, unless they say something negative about the Clintons, of course. Well, I mean, you're talking about the Clintons ostensibly killing people back in the day or currently or whatever. They... They I'm do. talking about the elites. The, I'm talking about the politicians, right? Like the high end, but like not not the little aides or clerks yeah. or whatever. Obviously, those people can they can get put. Yeah, away they're untouchable at the top. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The people at the presidential right. levels, the congressional levels, those guys are completely insulated, and that's because they have an unspoken agreement. I'm sure between them, it's like okay, we don't touch each other. I've made the leap from what you're talking about to uh, the fact that nobody on the Epstein Island list has been arrested, or even the list has been released. <laughs> Didn't they keep that secret? Yeah. I- there's more coming up here. Uh, let's go to an anonymous caller. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Uh, yes. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Okay. Um, I've been listening for a while. It's the first time I've called. Right. I was just curious about, um, I called other radio stations like Hannity and local. Why has no one sued the Biden administration or held their even, you know, because the Republicans are responsible for pushing stuff like this, too. Why is nobody taking the Biden administration to court to stop all this illegal aliens coming across our border? Huh? Wasn't he told by the uh, uh, the Supreme Court that he had to put a Trump policy back in effect? And wasn't he in violation of it? Well, how come we don't hear anything about this? I really don't know. I've, to me, I'm not concerned with people coming here who want to make a better life for themselves. That, to me, is like the least concerning thing. Uh, right now, yeah. I'm, I'm more concerned with uh, the government screwing people in the United States over by inflating the money supply and going to endless wars. Why are you so right. concerned with people um, coming across the border illegally? Uh, we're Is talking a about a, we're talking about a voluntary <laughs> agreement between a business and a worker, right? I'm talking about thousands and thousands of illegal aliens coming from South America in a caravan. Is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people coming across the border. Why do you think those back? people are coming here? Why? Because they want a better life. They want to take what we have. Well, that's not how want, the free want, market they works. Here and they're entitled. No, well, it's not a free market when you're breaking federal law. That's not free market. That's illegal. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised. You call yourself a conservative? You think that's okay? We don't call ourselves conservatives. We're libertarians on this show. We actually believe well, in liberty, unlike conservatives. Conservatives yeah, and, liber- and liberals are just alike. You guys don't believe in freedom. But we have laws. You have to follow the law. You have to sign the guest when you come in. You can't did the, did the so people who founded this country follow like the laws? What you have. Huh? I can come in your house and do whatever I feel like. No, of Is course not. No, because, so of, because it's private property. Free market, they can come here. 
because it's private property. We don't have a free market in this country. Can you can you stop talking for a a half a second so we can actually address what you brought up? You're not addressing it. Well, that's because you keep talking. We can't actually speak to you if you don't stop talking. So look, you bring up the same old tired uh, claim of, oh, what about your house? My house is private property. Your house is private property. We're not talking about opening up your front door and letting people in endlessly. We're talking about a place that's supposed to be a free country where someone who wants to come here and make a better life for themselves shouldn't have to ask a bunch of bureaucrats' permission. Don't you believe in smaller government? Yeah, but it's not about the government. But, you can't just come here because but, you feel but, like but. there's rules. So you believe in big government. You believe in a big border patrol. You believe in big government so you can stop people who you don't want in the club from coming in, right? No, because then why not just let everybody in that's hot? Why not just let people wait, wait, in? Hang on, hang on. What state what's is he going from? A state of confusion. Yeah, see, that's the thing. You got no, you got no argument because there's nothing no, you I, can No, I do say. have an argument. Uh, what state are you no, from? Stupidity on what your state part are you in? Because you wouldn't let your LRN.FM. Conservative. Mr. Conservative said the S word. So uh, my my question for him, if he's even listening, would be, um, you know, if, if he's in Vermont and I'm in New Hampshire and, uh, you know, New Hampshire opens up some new factory that attracts workers. They're paying a high wage mm-hmm. and, you know, they're training and all that kind of stuff. And a bunch of people from Massachusetts and Vermont uh, decide they're going to work at this place. And they're mm-hmm. coming over from the border of Massachusetts and Vermont. What's the difference between that and these people coming from a caravan from South America? I would suggest his answer would be, well, there's laws. Laws say you can do that in this country, but you can't come in from Montreal and come work in New Hampshire. Sure you can. There's a, a, no, they've got to ask permission. Well, okay, but people do come across international borders for work all the time, whether it's legal or illegal. Well, sure, but he wants people to always go the legal route, to have to jump through all the hoops, to have to fill out all the forms, have to pay all the fees, and it's just ridiculous. These people don't understand how insanely difficult that process is. He apparently doesn't like fresh produce. Yeah, and they just don't care. They don't care about what these people have to go through because, well, they're here and they're in the club and they just don't have any empathy whatsoever for anyone. Oh, well, they're not following the law. So what? Why should anyone? Also, it's good for business and the consumer to have more people wanting to work. Because you don't have these job vacancies, you have lower prices, it's better for everyone. That's a great point. There's a ton yeah. of jobs available right now. Americans aren't trying to get them. Yeah. They're staying home, collecting welfare. Well, and, and he made the mention, too, that they're going to come here and take our stuff. It's like they're not taking anything. You know what they're going to do? They're going to work harder than most people in mm-hmm. the United States of America for a lower wage because they're illegal and et cetera and so on. Right. If yes. if somebody coming from South America is so well skilled that they're going to take your job, you got some brushing <laughs> up to got do. Some brushing up to do. Maybe a remedial course or two. Sarah's on the line in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh yeah. So they decided to ban the plastic bags again, but our mayor is going to veto that because he wants the plastic bag banned. But I'm in support of uh, the bag band because it's environmentally safer but I, i'm just not fanatical about it that's all you know what i mean why can't people choose what kind of bag to use at the grocery store well because people that are obnoxious they'll grab you know they'll grab two bags for eat put little one little things on it and they'll take 20 bags and and have 
plastic bags piled up in a landfill. You know, they're just really obnoxious, you know? Can you ban those so, people from the store? <laughs> well, you know what? I, they give out paper bags, you know, and that's biodegradable. That's what if you you know, and they'll charge you five cents. It's not a big sacrifice. So can't you, know? you can't you just choose to shop at a store that uses only paper bags? Well, I mean, they just have to make it uniform, and uh, that's not how Sarah work. rolls. She wants everybody to be forced into her viewpoint of what the world is, and she thinks plastic bags are bad, so therefore, no one should be able to use them. Yeah. Forcing other people to your preference is always wrong. Do you also believe that plastic straws should be banned, too? Well, you know, I really do think so. I've, I've used other alternatives, and they hold up pretty well. They kind of toughen it up a little bit, I'd... and they know that they're, they're biodegradable uh, straws. You know, it's paper core materials, and it, and it does work. So, yes, there are better alternatives. I... I can't say that I've ever tried a paper straw and thought, wow, this was a really good idea. They're garbage. Um, they fall apart. You put it in your coffee, like midway through, you're just kind of holding on to it with little pieces of it floating yeah. around inside. Um, I think if you're going to try to uh, push people or nudge people onto a better product, maybe actually work on perfecting that before you mandate it by force. Because, I, I mean, maybe there's... A bamboo straw or some other type mm-hmm. of biodegradable straw out there, but I I haven't seen it. I just get disappointed every time I go into a store and they don't have plastic straws anymore. They do make something that I like to put in a Bloody Mary. It's it's a meat straw, right? So it's basically a, a smoked uh, stick of meat that's all hollowed out. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. <laughs> and you can eat it when it's done. Out of time for tonight. The other thing I'd recommend people that are concerned about landfills, check out the Penn & Teller episode on uh, recycling from, I don't know, 15 years ago. They really get into landfills and why they're not a problem. And there's plenty of space out there to have more of these things. And there's just so much mythology surrounding this. So much fear-mongering. I recommend that episode. We'll see you tomorrow night. Freetalklive.com.